Welcome to the morning meeting with Sarah and Jess, where the tea is hot, the wine is chilled, and no topic is off limits. Pull up a chair and join us. There is room for all of you here. We won't limit seating, we'll just build a bigger table. Let's Let's begin begin today's meeting. Hi, Jessica. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. It is the actual morning today. No, we're recording so in the morning. Funny when we do that. Cheers. Cheers. We got the same color mug. We do. What are you drinking this morning? I'm having a tea with milk. As in, am I. Yeah, in my uh, Tiffany Blue Yeti. It's so nice and hot. If you had an aura that followed you around, like color, well, I'm sure you do. But if we could all see it, it would be Tiffany Blue. Yep, absolutely. I was re- I was looking over uh, Facebook memories this morning. Yes, and I saw the that three years ago I graduated from CBU. Oh wow, three years! I know, and it just brought everything back. And I was like, how interesting that we're podcasting this morning. CBU is where our relationship grew, where we met, like we knew right. of one another, but this is where we officially met. I think we might have crossed paths at a party once. We did. Yes, but we did mutual friends with mutual friends. But we didn't. I don't know if we chatted a whole lot at the party, or if we did, it was just like in bypassing. We chatted not one on one. We didn't have like much one on one time. I don't think, but we were around a table or in the living room yeah. chatting as a group a little bit. Yeah. It was a smaller gathering, so we definitely yeah. were in the same conversations. But I don't think we had some one on one time then. I remember um, seeing you though and being like, oh, that's Sarah Farrell. Like, I want to get to know her. Stop I just it. feel like every, you know, everyone who's your friend is so lucky you're because so you're such sweet. a gem. And I was like, oh, like, what would that be like to be Sarah's friend? And lo and behold, look at us podcast. Now. <laughs> <laughs> we were fast friends, that's for sure. And ditto, we definitely sister. were you're a gem we as well. Were. We, yeah. yeah, the love affair began at CBU and it's just been full steam ahead ever since, really. Yeah. And for, so for those of you who don't know, I, so I went back to CBU. So if it was, if I graduated three years ago, it took me what, two years, two and a half years to get my degree. Mm-hmm. That was quick. It was fast. Was it that quick? Two, and I always two... told you like, this goes by so fast. I know. Short-term pain, long-term gain. Yeah. The days, it's like parenting. The days can be long. Yeah. The nights can be long, but it, the years are it's, short. Yeah, absolutely. And so I remember thinking like, oh, I'd never get accepted to CBU. I'm never like, that's not going to be a thing for me. And my husband now, Daniel, always encouraged. He was always my number one encourager and had yeah. a few other friends. Like my cousin, Jenna Lee, was always my cheerleader. Like she just thought I could do anything. Daniel thought I could do anything. I was just the one who didn't think I could do anything. I was my own worst enemy. I remember yeah. you telling me that in my office once and me being like, Jessica, you're doing so what? Like I, I was shocked that that's how yeah. you felt about yourself in that time. Yeah. And so I, so I, yeah, I went to school. I took, um, I have an advanced diploma, a diploma, and then I work, was working, but I just was never really satisfied. I always felt like I want more, but I just never knew how to get it or thought I could get it. So with a little bit of encouragement, I applied and went back to school, went back to university and oh my God, like life-changing, seriously. Oh, it really is. In so many ways. Yeah. With my, like it just propelled my career so much further. Yeah. Just the life experience and what I learned and obviously the relationships that form there, like we are now besties. I know. I know. I feel very honored to be part of that experience. We're in motherhood together. And isn't it amazing? Like university, we tell students that all the time, but it's not just about 
the theory you're learning in the classroom. Like, yes, obviously that's important, but there's so many other skills. And this is true for any educational experience. I think like the content you're consuming in these classes is one thing, and that's obviously important, but it's all the other skills that you're learning, right? Critical reflection Mm -hmm. being one, being Mm -hmm. able to uh, think for yourself and apply theory to experience your Mm -hmm. ability to problem solve, uh, critical thinking, like all of these skills, even like discipline and self-motivation, time management, these are all byproducts of your experience in that. And then the other piece you just mentioned as well is the relationships you build, the connections, the community that is formed. And I think that's the entire package, right, of, of an education, whatever that looks like Absolutely. and however you're doing that. And it's true for most experiences, educational, right. professional, whatever it might be, but it's so much more than just the content you're consuming. Sometimes. Right. But I feel like in in a sense that all of that experience that I got like in my previous previous careers and previous job experience that once I got to CBU I was so much more mature from those experiences that I could actually then apply the theory right to what I was doing so I feel like it all worked out in the end that I think that I don't think I would have excelled at in university if I had have went right out of high school I really don't right it would have been a really negative experience so I'm glad that I went a different path and yeah. and just it, it worked out. I think mature students have that advantage 100%. You have more world, real life experience to apply the theory to it, like you just said. And you also have a better understanding of why you're there, why it's important to you. You're motivated in a different way, right? Like you made that choice mm-hmm. to go in a different way. You didn't feel like that's something you just did had because you had to do and you didn't know why you were there or you weren't really trying to figure out what you liked or what you wanted to do through those few years, which is part of the experience as well in a different sense. But you went back with a focus and with an intention. And I think that changes it. And the yeah. maturity is just, I mean, it's hard to ignore that, right? Like you, yeah, yeah. you had that experience, you knew what you wanted. And I think that's a, a huge advantage. And, and that's what makes me, when I think back on that time and, and you sharing how you felt about, you know, your, your, journey to kind of to get there I remember thinking like but you're so so mature and smart and well-spoken and such a great communicator and I, I was shocked to hear that you you know you didn't think that this was a place for you because I was just seeing you excel in that environment so it was so interesting to hear and it's just perception is a funny thing right we never know what other people are going through or what they're thinking or feeling or how they're feeling about themselves right. so to me I'm yeah. seeing a student excel and really finding a comfort zone and really flourishing in this environment and to you internally you're almost thinking like okay I need to should I be here I'm here now is this the right place for me right. kind right. of thing right so you're yeah. battling that yeah. those inner um, thoughts a little bit and it's interesting mm-hmm. because it's just a reminder of the people sitting in front of you sometimes aren't what you think they are exactly. aren't feeling the way you're, you think they're feeling or aren't right. as, you know all of these things I was always told that in university you're just a number and um, that, you know, you'll get lost in the crowd. But that just wasn't my experience at all. And I don't, especially with all of my um, professors and instructors were incredible. Um, But like anything you needed, they set the time aside for you. Like if you sent an email and they could sense that you were struggling, the ones I had anyway reached out and said, come to my office or picked up the phone and and we had a conversation. And with you, like you worked – I mean, I know it's not just because we developed a relationship, but you worked so, so hard for me. You were such an advocate for me to get me where I needed to be. You sat down for hours and hours and made a plan for me. And this is exactly what, if this is your goal, 
here's how we're going to get there. And I'm telling you, no, Sarah, I can't do this. This isn't going to work. And you're like, Jessica, yes, it is. Here's the plan. Here's your, how you're going to get there. And you sat there for literal hours and mapped out a plan, <laughs> sent emails to professors, found like, this isn't this, uh, finding loopholes, like, because this doesn't seem right. Or there must be a way we can cross this, you know, because there was like all of these things that were yeah. like, this class is at this time and that won't work for oh, like just. Right. You put so much time and effort into me, and I'm just so thankful for that. You're and, so sweet. Ugh, like, just look at us. I know. I know. I look at us right now. Well, us girl, now. it was worth every second. And I wasn't. Cre- we created that plan together, and I knew you had that goal, and I was just happy to be able to help you reach it. It's part of my job, and I love I that part of my job. And I love puzzles, so fitting things together, you figuring do. out the best path. <laughs> Figuring the best path for you was part. I was I was happy to be able to do that with you, and it was fun to do it. And I, I mean, obviously, like the knowledge that I have of the timetable or academic calendar or the institution itself yeah. helped us figure of that out. So I was yeah. happy to apply that. But I also was seeing you and hearing you and knowing your experience and knowing where you wanted to go and knowing your capabilities. And sometimes we just need other people to remind us of that. Like you are capable of this. And it's up to you what you do with these tools, but I'm happy to provide these tools for you so that you know what is here and what's available for you. And it's your decision how you use them. But, and I think that's one of the big things that I try to tell all my students and, and there's students coming from all over and all different walks of life and different experiences and different ages. And it's not a one size fits all experience, right? You have to figure out what works for you. Yeah. And some people get there with a plan and they change it halfway through. And some people well it's not a place for them and some people figure out it's the right place. So you kind of got to work with what you have there. So it was I loved that part. It was I was just gonna say and then I got pregnant. Yeah. (laughs) We'll say that gosh. Yeah that's right. We had plan A and plan B B. and not that type of plan B but we had that way. Then we had we a plan like, okay, A, plan this B, is and then plan A that will end before baby yeah. comes. And then here's plan B yeah. for when, if you want to yeah. come back after baby yeah. is here. So there's all we made a plan A, we had a plan B, and then plan C happened. So yeah. we had to make a plan D. Yeah, yeah, that's but, right. But I will say too, yeah. your experience just by the nature of the degree you were doing and the um, experiential learning opportunities that you had through different departments, it that changes your experience too, right? So it's not just you mm-hmm. sitting in a classroom being talked to. You're being that's welcomed right. in Thank that God conversation for that. Well, I just, being active yeah. in your learning. Yeah. I think that's so, so important. And in communication, that's what we do. Um, mm-hmm. And in our in the community studies program, that's what is a big proponent too. So yeah. I think that's a that's helpful. That, that oh, definitely. It was definitely experience. What I, what, it was meant for me. That program yeah. is definitely fitting yeah. for me. But yeah. yes, that's where our yeah. love story began. Yeah. We became fast friends. We got to work together a little bit um, in different facets at the university. Mm-hmm. And that was so nice. And then we just clicked. We just knew. This we was, did. And then we it all, friends. we can talk about it in, a, in a, another episode because I think it's a really fun, interesting story of how a relationship built. But um, so Sarah, as, as I mentioned, was my biggest advocate within CVU. Of course, I had lots of advocates outside with like my husband and my cousin and just like a lot of just really great friends who were advocating for me the whole way. But Sarah was the one inside. So I remember her saying, you know, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be wa- like right in the audience. I can't wait to walk across stage. And then we both got pregnant yeah. uh, within months of one another. So <laughs> I remember Sarah was watching from TV at home because she had a newborn who was like That's a right. couple of weeks old. That's and right. He I was so across- fresh. Yeah. He was like two and a half weeks old. 
And I walked across the stage with Logan in my belly and got my oh degree. My and God. I just, I thought it's so special because I'll always have that. Like he was with me when I got my degree. And that's right. I remember walking across, like waddling across. I was due in August and graduated in May. And I remember thinking like, we did it, buddy. Like mommy did it. And I was oh. so emotional and just so proud of myself and just, ugh. You can do it. If anyone's yes. like, I want to go back to school and whatever it is you want to pursue, whether it's your master's or whether you just want to go back and get education in a field that you're interested in, like, oh, you can do it. Or you it. want to try a new like skill or hobby or craft yes. or, you know, you want to learn something new. It is never too late. Let this yeah. be your little piece of encouragement and motivation. It is never too late. Age That's does right. not define our abilities or access to opportunity. It should. So don't let it stop you. And don't let the inner critic saying, I can't do this, or that will be stupid, or what if people laugh at me? Like, don't let those things stop you. Just try. Mm -hmm. Like, just try. Not doing it, that's that's worse. Not trying, right? Putting yourself out there, it can be scary, but it's usually always worth it. I remember watching you walk across the stage for my coach at home, snuggling my newborn, crying my eyes out because I was just so proud of you. And I'd like to blame that on the postpartum hormones, but I think maybe or no baby, I would have still been just sobbing as I watched you walk by because I was just so proud. You were, you worked so hard and you deserved that. So that was so great. So exciting. Yeah. Okay. Well, just one last thing. And if you do want to go to CBU, reach out for Sarah Fry for financial advi- or financial advising for <laughs> academic advising. Academic advising. Yes. She's amazing. Okay. I'd be so happy to help. We are so excited about today's episode. We have Anne Marion Willis, who is a registered dietitian. And we reach out to Anne Marion because Obviously, as moms, you know, the whole feeding thing is just one thing, but just for ourselves, you know. Yeah. Everything changes when you turn 30, I feel. Your body right. just is like, okay, no, I'm done with you. I brought you this far. You're going right. to you're gonna start having to take care of me now because yeah. I've done enough for you. And yeah. then it's like, okay, like we have to cook food for the rest of our lives. Like somehow we got stuck in this role that like we're responsible for cooking supper every day. Like what the hell? How annoying. Jessica, it's like the number one thing I think of sometimes that I'm like, wait, but I have to do this for the rest of my life. Ugh. Like I have to provide these meals for not right. only me, but a family now. <laughs> like, oh. And they have oh. to be balanced and like the pressure of social media. Like when you go on and see someone like presenting their family with this beautiful meal that has yeah. like, all four food groups or is it, <laughs> food groups is there? I don't even know. Like, I know I said to you, I'm like, I'm still working off that food guide we got in like grade three with the different yeah. triangles, like the Canada food gri- yeah. guide. Is that still <laughs> relevant or accurate? I don't even know. So I'm excited to ask Ann Marion. Yeah, that. exactly. So we reached out to Ann Marion and um, she's going to help us answer some questions. We've got some good ones from um, our listeners and then we just had some ourselves. So uh, I mean, we're just going to go ahead here and introduce Anne Marion. Let's do it. All right. So Anne Marion is a dietitian since 2013. She is passionate about helping people enjoy delicious food while reaching their goals and improving their relationship with their body. A mom of two, Anne Marion particularly enjoys working with women in all stages of life, whether they are planning their first pregnancy, feeding a growing family, or moving into menopause. Areas of practice include, but are not limited to, Nutrition for Fertility, Prenatal Nutrition, Gestational and Type 2 Diabetes Management, Polycystic Ovary Syndrome, Anti-Inflammatory Eating, and Infant Feeding. Anne Marion welcomes all inquiries and encourages you to book a free discovery call to learn more about working with her. Let's bring in Anne Marion. Hi! Hi, Anne Marion. Welcome to the morning meeting. 
Hello. Thanks for having me. Thanks How for are being you? here. Good, good. Everybody's cooperating so far this morning. So I will oh, good. It. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's nice for a Sunday. I oh, know. They even let me morning. stay in bed. Oh, oh that's very special. So nice. What a great day. Quarter to eight instead of like quarter to seven. So yeah. I will take it. It makes all the difference. <laughs> it does. It does. Quarter to eight. That's a major sleep in. That's awesome. Yeah. We're so excited to have you at the table today, Anne Marion. So we appreciate your time and joining us. And we know our listeners will be excited. We had a few questions from them. So we're excited to get to those too, because I think Jessica and I were just saying in our intro, not only are we women in our thirties now who are wondering like, is the same stuff we've been eating this whole time still sustainable? And is this good? So we're excited to talk about that from our own perspective, but also like the harsh realization that, that now we're the ones responsible for feeding other little humans for the rest of our lives. I'm all of a sudden yeah. I have this like major appreciation for my parents for every meal they cooked. I'm like, how did you do it though? How did you do it? How did you think of all these things? Just tell us a little bit about why you chose this career. I feel like it was so, so many answers, like just growing up, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Everything mm -hmm. I picked, I was like talking about it to family and things like that. And my mom would be like, are you sure you want to be a vet? You cry at like car commercials and things like that. Do you really yeah. think? And I'm like, what cute puppies. Yeah. Um, and there was a brief <laughs> step where I thought I could sing and I wanted to be a singer. Um, and that clearly went down. I will never even sing happy birthday in front of you. I'm awful. <laughs> so finally one day, um, I was involved in cadets. So I was doing like a Duke of Edinburgh award and, um, you know, you go for hikes and you have to be active and things like that. Finally, my mom was like, well, you're into all this health and wellness things indirectly. Like, have you ever thought about being a dietitian? And I was like, what's that? Right. <laughs> so it turned out my childhood friend, his mother was a dietitian. Uh, so I sat down and talked to her through it. I was like, oh, okay, this sounds cool. Like, you know, I'll give that a try. And then a friend of uh, a friend of mine was doing the program. She was a year ahead of me. So she kind of walked me through it. I was like, oh, okay, this sounds good. So it wasn't until I started taking my first nutrition class. And I was like, this is for me. This is my wow. thing. Love this. You know, loved knowing how kind of food becomes part of everything in our lives, right? So right yeah. from your health, but right through cultural and social norms yes. and everything. So just loved it. And the farther I got into it, the more I just went, oh my goodness, there's so many areas to take this. So it just was love at first sight when I started taking awesome. it, but literally had no idea until I registered for university, what a dietitian was. What, a, right. like, what an amazing feeling to start it and then, be, and then feel that mm. feeling like this is it. I found it, like feel so good about it, but you make a good oh, point true. when you're trying to figure out what you want to be when you grow up, I know. you know, like five main careers you don't know <laughs> all of these other things that exist in the world that you could be right you're you don't know all those high school areas. like dietitian yeah it no usually it's five things exactly <laughs> yeah 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 and you don't realize like the behind the scenes too because like when you think of a dietitian what do you hear like what do you think of and picture in your mind most people think a white lab coat, you come in and go, would mm. you like white toast or whole wheat toast in the right. hospital? Right. But like, look at the role I play. And you would yeah. never think of that. And you see all these other people in so many different areas. Like every major sports team has a dietitian. Right. 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 So, yeah. you know, there's so many areas you can take it. So hopefully I'm breaking a little bit of the norm here today. Yeah, <laughs> that's what good. To expect. I'm not the food police just to like jump ahead. Right. You raised a really good point too about like the cultural connection community piece of food. I have a really close colleague who studies food safety, food security, food sovereignty. And yes. we always talk about the fact that 
we, we study food from a communication perspective as well, because it is yeah. such a tool for communicating and connection and building community. And yeah. it is a cultural event, right? Every culture yeah. is tied to food in some way, the way you come around a table and break bread and share food and have certain meals and traditions. It is yeah. such a cultural event or a cultural piece tool in, yes. in building our community. So looking oh, at food absolutely. from that perspective, we don't always do that, right? That's right. And sometimes we no. don't even look at it as fuel or energy or building our body. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're mm-hmm. just like, oh, we have to eat. This is good. Right. This is bad. Like we don't yeah. really yeah. know that, that sometimes. So everyone has such a different relationship with food. You know, it's amazing. I and mean, I always talk like I have uh, a team of 90 plus dietitians through my role. And we always laugh, those of us on the East Coast, because we joke around how on the East Coast, especially in Cape Breton, food is such a cultural thing that we don't necessarily realize. But what do you think the first time you go to a funeral or wake, what's the first yeah. thing the, um, like the host says? It's before we get started, the family wants to invite you to join them yes. for food following the service. That's right. And that's apparently not the norm in most other places. And we found that so amazing. But I had this conversation the other day too, is you also don't realize like speech language pathologists, occupational therapists, like there's so many roles that are involved in the eating Mm -hmm. aspect Mm -hmm. of life. And you kind of mentioned before we got started, like the food guide and everything. And we're learning now, this is still coming out that the food guide doesn't even represent the whole wealth of cultural norms and experiences and practices, even from our Aboriginal populations in the country. And so like, Oh my goodness, we could have a whole like 15 podcasts on this. So I'll try to stop talking about this. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's so interesting. So interesting. That's such yeah. a great point. Yeah. There's some work to do, right? Like everything is so individualized. Yeah. You mentioned yeah. nutrition. You took a nutrition course. And I had yep. this thought like, can you explain the difference between a nutritionist and a dietitian? Is there Ooh, one? That's What's a good that? one. So, Actually, in Nova Scotia uh, and just a number of other provinces, so I think two or three other provinces, nutritionist is actually a protected term. So dietitian is a protected term. Uh, it's through the Dietitians Act. Um, right now, it's the Health Act. Um, but it's just like nurse or doctor. It's a protected term. And only dietitians are able to use the term nutritionist or the title. Uh, oh. However, uh, some people do use it mistakenly because it's not protected in every province. So it's always just important to just check in and ask like what the credentials are, that sort of thing, because it does get mistakenly used. Uh, but in Nova Scotia, then I could call myself a nutritionist, feel up in your public health nutritionist, but that person does have a dietitian title. Oh, wow. I did not know that. So it's the same thing then? So it would be the same thing in Nova Scotia. Um, and I can't recall the other provinces off the top of my head, but in the majority of provinces, nutritionist is not a protected title. So anybody can call themselves that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you will find most dietitians say dietitian. Oh, because that's the protected term, but you can also be considered a nutritionist. Exactly. Okay. Wow. I never knew that. Yeah. Yeah. It's very confusing. And I find most people don't, uh, don't realize that. So yeah, most dietitians, if they say nutritionist, they'll kind of follow that up with like dietitian or vice versa. They'll go like dietitian, nutritionist. Okay. Um, Yeah. That's helpful. So also important to note that depending on where you are, if you're speaking to a nutritionist, make sure you know the history or their credentials to know if they really like they have that background. Yeah. Yeah. What that background is and everything too. So, and just that um, scope of practice is always important. Yeah. There's been some interesting questions about just 
diet dieting and diet culture and um, all these fad diets. So can you just talk a little bit about diet culture and just some issues and concerns around that? Yeah. Um, Oh my goodness. I feel like this is both simultaneously my favorite topic and also my hardest because there's so much emotion involved in it. So um, I do find that with diet culture, essentially this is the belief that people should look a certain way, weigh a certain amount, be a certain body size or shape. And I think since like the nineties, early two thousands, we kind of realized like, that's not right. Right. Like body size, your body shape doesn't correlate with your health. Like they're two different Mm -hmm. things for most people. And there's no like ideal body or anything like that. I know like ideal BMI. However, this belief or this expectation, like even when it's unsaid or unwritten, there's still that pressure to mm-hmm. look or be a certain way. And we feel it like even as moms, right? Like right, there's yes. that whole, if you're not doing this, you're wrong. Or if right. you're doing that, you're wrong, right? So the whole thing around diet culture still exists. It's just more subtle, right? That mm-hmm. whole difference between we're not a diet program, you know, we're a way of life, yet it's still super restrictive. There's food rules, you can do it wrong, that sort of thing. So when it comes to a lot of these programs, like I have to get people come in and they're very confused because they've been told so many mixed messages that they're eating wrong, that this is like, they're causing all their issues and problems and things like that. And they just feel so overwhelmed. And so if you are feeling stressed out and like, I don't know how to eat, it's probably diet culture. Right. Right. So a lot of these things, and I won't say like, because I kind of let this off with everybody's individual is that it's not that they won't work for someone. It's that they're not, there's no one program for everybody. So you might find that, there are people who their genetics, their body, like does actually do well eating more in a keto style of things, right? That's what works for them. Their health reflects that they're meeting their goals, that sort of thing. So that's fine. But it's when you're trying to do it and you're struggling and you're miserable and like, you know, your health is suffering or your mental health is suffering. That's not right for you. And it's okay to say that and go, right. It's not working. Let's find the thing that does. Right. Right. But there's so many things that we just still like it's something new. There's a new one. I won't even name it, but like, it's so arbitrary and like, you need to do two workouts, like every single day, one has to be outside and you need to drink a gallon of water. You need to like do this and do that. And they're just arbitrary rules that don't actually reflect any health changes. There's no science behind it that kind of go, everybody excels when they're doing this program. So it's just important to kind of separate, like, why are you doing this? How does it make you feel? Is it, is it um, sustainable? Yeah. Right. Right? For most people, that's the deal breaker, right? It's not sustainable. And if you can't keep that up and be happy and your health excels while doing it for the next five, 10 years, Mm. that's a diet, right? right? And it's not right for you. Right. So what you're yeah. saying, Anne Marion, is there's nothing wrong with dieting. It's just about mm-hmm. finding something that works for you. Is that what I hear? Or do we not want to even use the word dieting? <laughs> it depends. Like most people like think of dieting as restriction. Um, yes. For that's what I think loss. when I, yes. Yeah. yeah. So like I would almost flip it and say like, there's nothing wrong with wanting to change like how your body looks or feels if you're doing it for your sole benefit, right? Right. If you're doing it because you feel uh, comfortable and healthy and, you know, feel your best, maybe it's like those last five baby pounds. Um, You know, if it's just that your health, your cholesterol is starting going a little higher, you want to bring it down and you're choosing this different method of doing things. 
that's fine, but it should be driven by your soul purpose and your soul want and right. need, not by what other people expect from you. And I feel like that's what dieting mm. is, is saying like, I mm-hmm. need to do this for other people, not I need to do this for myself. So I don't typically call it dieting. Um, right. you know, people have kind of taken over the term lifestyle change, but it's mm-hmm. just doing what you need to do to be happy and healthy. And that looks different for everybody. And it might be a more structured program, but it might be just be little right. changes. And that's kind of right. like what I look at with people is like, what aspects can we take from different things? What tools can we use to make a plan that works for you specifically? Mm-hmm. Right. And then how do we adjust yeah. over time? I, so and I'd important. agree with that because my, me personally, I have a hard time. I eat terrible and I want to do better, but it's this whole issue around like the motivation to do it. Cause if someone else was cooking for me, I would eat whatever they cooked. Yeah, right. It's just, for me, it's easier to go grab a bag of chips than it is to grab a bowl of fruit. Cause I have to cut the fruit, yeah. wash the fruit, whatever. The, like it's silly to even say that, but it's just, I go for what's easy and convenient as yep. opposed to prepping and planning. But what mm-hmm. I always say is, so my husband, Daniel will go through these spurts. Will he'll be like, okay, I'm starting Monday. I'm cutting everything out that's bad for me but I'm like that you're setting yourself up for failure like why don't you just do moderation today I'm going to or this week I'm going to choose to eat one extra healthy meal so that's where I come from like that balance perspective but I think for a lot of people it is this notion that it's all or nothing but like you said that's not sustainable you can't keep up with that that's miserable you would be miserable in my opinion right and like I actually picked out like different terms from diet culture that you said too, like saying like, I'm going to cut out what's bad for me. Right. And what makes Mm. the food bad for you? Typically those foods that we're saying are bad for us are just foods that we feel out of control because we've tried to restrict them for so long that then we actually give ourselves permission to enjoy them. And we go overboard because we don't know the next time we're going to let ourselves have them. Right. Right? Yes. How many people just went like, (laughs) (laughs) right. Like if you give yourself permission to enjoy whatever it is that you want. Often people kind of freak out a little bit and they go, I can't do that. But it's because we've had, we've been following those unwritten rules for so right. long. Yes. But when you say, it's like when you tell a kid, don't hit the red button, how bad do they want to hit the red button? They had no right. interest in it before you pointed it out. Right. And now we're like dying to have like, to touch that on it. Yes. Right. But if we went, you know what? There's nothing wrong with any food. I can enjoy them when I want. You might eat more of them in the beginning. But then they lose that appeal. You're just like, man, yeah. they're always there. I can have them whenever I want. So I don't really want them that often. Right. right. And so that is kind of terms that I talk to a lot with people is like mindful eating, intuitive eating. This is kind of getting more and more mainstream, uh, more common. There's lots on social media around intuitive eating. And it's really interesting. So I really uh, encourage people who feel like they have been dieting for a long time or they want to make changes and they're kind of stuck in that cycle is to look into that. And I can share some names and everything if you want to put them in the notes of like good resources and reliable yes, um, evidence-based like mm-hmm. things to pick up. Um, but even like one thing you said, Jessica, with like all or nothing or moderate moderation, whenever I have clients come in and they're kind of saying like, this is what I've tried in the past. It didn't work. Like, you know, that whole start on Monday, but how many Mondays have we started? I get people yeah. sit down. Okay. Okay. In your life, how do you approach anything? How do you approach finances? How do you approach hobbies? Like, are you an all or nothing? Like you will dive in, you will do that hardcore six hours a day, like every day for months. And then you don't do it. Or can you do it like a half hour here, half hour there, that sort of thing. And people say, Oh yeah, definitely. Like I dive and go hundred percent and that's my life for a while. And then I'm off of it. You're probably an all or nothing person. So in that case, like how you approach your nutrition and your food 
if you were trying to say, okay, well, I'm going to have, um, you know, one scoop of ice cream every night at supper and that's it. That's probably going to be more stressful because that's moderating, right? Like you have to consciously think like only one scoop. That's when I'm done. Whether you feel satisfied or not, like that's all I can have. That's another food rule for that person. That's not the tool that's going to work for them. They'd probably be better going, yep, you know what? We as a family go out for ice cream every two weeks and I can get whatever size I want. And, you know, in between those sessions, because they've correlated them together, they don't even think about it, right? right? Like that's not even, they don't have to make that decision every single day, every bite that they're taking that ice cream going, oh, like, I really want to have more, but I'm not allowed. Whereas p- a person who is much more mar- moderate in their personality can likely do that. But if you told them they could only have ice cream on special occasions or they could mm. only have it on that outing, they're going to think about that outing all the time. That's right. All the time. And they're probably the going to order something. Get it. Yeah. And then they're probably going to overdo it because there's that thought of, I'm not getting it for a while. I need to have as much as possible to really satisfy right. myself. Right. So in those cases, like the same approach still doesn't work for the same person. Right. And sometimes it's trial and error. So like, you can see how deep this really goes even just into like the, like your personality and your like tendencies on how you approach other things in your life, but it ties into how you do nutrition. It is. It's fascinating. And I always come from a communication perspective. It's the way my brain works, but everything you're talking about these are like examples I could give in a class. Again, like the underpinning of all of this that mm. you just mentioned and diet culture, yeah. media is such a driver of that, right? <gasps> oh, so yes. so oh, what we're goodness. seeing, the images we're seeing, even if we're not paying yep. attention to it, subconsciously we're registering it in some way, yep. right? And it's the power of persuasion that way. So we're yep. reminded of it later on, even if we're not paying attention to it in the, mo- in the moment. And, and we're attaching these feelings, these different connotations to it all the time. It's so true. Right. So it's such a, like media is just so responsible sometimes. And then the flip side is I just thought like, okay, how am I talking to Bo about some foods? Cause I want to make sure Mm -hmm. I'm not using language that he's associating or being too restrictive or being too loose and and making sure we're, we're offering things at different times um, or using the right language around it. Yeah. How are Pat and I using, how are we talking about our food and our tendencies? Because he's always listening to that. Exactly. It's so fascinating to hear and you talk about yeah. the all or nothing or yeah. the moderation. Yeah. I just thought of another example with it when you're talking about media and advertisement. And at the end of Gardner Road, there's a huge McDonald's sign with a Big Mac. Yes. yes. And there's been a few times where Logan and I have, uh, when well, we drive home from daycare, we go that route. And he literally <laughs> says, I want a burger. Yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. 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 And it's yeah. like, why can't that sign be a freaking bowl of vegetables or fruit? Right. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? But that's not, I don't it know. It doesn't it's sell, not, right? It's yeah. not that sexy, yeah. like, marketing message that they right. want to send out. So, like, it's not, it doesn't hit those same, exactly like you said, those synapses of pleasure. And, like, there's also this hormonal response to food, too. Right. Yeah. And marketing knows that they know, like, how to hit not only the emotional side, the physical, mm-hmm. physical side, like, all these things. There's so many studies that have been done on it and what works to sell it. And then they get you hooked into that like feeling, but then it often makes you feeling bad. So then that's where the diet industry comes in and they're like, we can solve your problem. But then you get hooked in that and it doesn't work. They make you feel like you did something wrong. Right. Right. So you keep coming back and go, it was me who failed, not the program who failed me. 
Right. 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 Yes. Yeah. It's yes. literally built on that concept. So wow. we constantly go through life then feeling that guilt over, well, I can't like get my body to work the way that I want it to work. Um, I can't like, you know, I'm failing as a parent. Like I'm not doing as good of a job, like as women, like at our jobs, sometimes we feel that, especially in like male dominant professions, you're right. not, you're not made to feel like the same level of success or like you're approaching things wrong, uh, compared to others. So you just feel bad all the time and we right. want to break that cycle. Yeah. Right? It's so cyclical. I like <laughs> the idea of, you know, on my kid's plate, I have their supper and it's some pieces of broccoli and some protein and some whatever else. And then I have yeah. three Smarties there too. Yes. And, and yeah. they can eat it all. And it's up to yeah. them how they eat it. Instead of saying, if you eat this, then you get a reward of something sweet and then teaching them that sweetness the is the reward. So can you talk? And they start shoving that? the food down their yes. throat to get Because we're Smarties. building that relationship, right? right? We're doing exactly what we do as adults. We're going, well, we feel restricted. So then we're rewarding ourselves with that thing that we've held off on because we're like, mm. we were successful. We held off on it. Right. Now we get a reward, like that whole cheating mentality, right? Like right. we did this and now we can like have whatever it is that we want in whatever amount. Um, and then that's what we're setting our kids up to do. We're continuing that messaging of, well, you have to do this good task to get the reward, which is typically something that we're then building that relationship of this is off limits. This is bad. This is only if you were behaving or what have you, but you only get this tiny amount and then that's it and that's right. cut off. And then you get kids who like eat in secret or they're hiding know, food wow. or they're pocketing it or they go overboard and they ignore their hunger and yeah. fullness. Exactly like we're doing as adults because we're literally passing them those messages, but their brains can't sort out what we understand right. as adults. Right. They just see this is off limits and it's because of something I did. Right. Or didn't you? Culturally, dessert comes last. Whenever you go to a restaurant, you have your appetizer, you have your meal, and then you get your dessert. In our in our culture. In our culture. Who decided that? Who decided right? Right? Like we often decide that because we think like that's a reward. That's something we have to have in small portions. Who even decided what the definition of dessert is? Dessert doesn't have to be cakes and candy and brownies. It can literally be whatever you want to call dessert. That's just a term that we have decided means certain foods. So you in your house could decide that dessert is, you know, uh, a bowl of berries or it could be, Mm. it could be chicken salad. Like it could be literally because all it is referring to is that course that comes afterwards. We're the ones who have decided that it has to be something sweet or like typically it's not even anything salty. It's usually something sweet and it's something that you can only have in small portions. You can only have it after you've eaten your fill of your meal, which again drives that whole ignoring of your hunger cues because you're expected to eat until you're full of your supper meal and then only have your dessert. Mm -hmm. However, then you're like, well, I have to have dessert or it's going to go to waste. Right. And then you eat until you're over full. And then you get into that cycle. Whereas exactly what you said there is if you serve it with the meal, typically, again, if this is new to your family, even new as an adult, you are likely going to overeat in the beginning, right? right, Of like probably the meal overall, that portion, that type of food, you're going to eat that first. You're going to see your kids eat it first because they don't know what's happening. They don't know when it's going to weigh, if it's Mm -hmm. trick, whatever. (laughs) But then eventually you'll notice that they stop they might not eat all of it. They might have a bite, go to the rest of their supper. Um, you know, they might 
eat all their supper and still leave it to the end, like whatever. Same thing with adults. We have preferences, right? Sometimes we like to eat all of one food on our plate first yes. and then move to the yeah. others. But sometimes right. like we can have a bite of each. Sometimes we just don't feel like eating something sweet or salty or whatever. Yeah. We prefer something else. So right. it's again, all those unwritten rules, which might go as deep as culturally or societally, mm-hmm. or it might be a personal rule we've placed on ourselves. And we right. can break that, right? And you don't have to follow the norm. We're all about these days, like being yourself, doing what works for you. Do right. the same thing with this approach. And again, it's not going to work for everybody, but we do see there's actual studies on like, doing that approach following, um, it's actually called the division of responsibility that you kind of touched on a little earlier, Sarah. Um, and something I use with a lot of families of figuring out whose role is what when it comes right. to meals and eating and feeding. And when we use that consistently with our families, you do see uh, typically about 90% of like picky eating situations resolve. And that leads into kids and teenagers and adults who have good relationships with food and they can wow. hopefully avoid a lot of these circumstances we're now facing in our 30s. Wow. Right. Right. Just Absolutely. So amazing. It is. So what advice do you have or what's a tip or trick for people who want to question their choices a little bit or be a little bit more aware of what the why, the driver and how how they're eating or how they're approaching yeah. this, this nutrition, yeah. this nutrition rather. I think it's like it really what you just said too is asking why they're making these decisions. Like, are they eating this because they truly enjoy it or because they feel obligated to because someone told them they have to? So I often get people come in, and this most frequently probably happens with couples. Uh, they come in and you know the husband's like, "I'm not eating kale. I don't care what mm-hmm. else you tell yeah. me. I'm not eating yeah. kale." And I'm like, "Yeah, who told you you had to eat kale?" And right. Like, well, aren't you going to tell me you have to eat kale? Like, isn't it supposed to be good for you? I'm like, but there's so many other foods that are good for you. You don't need to eat that one food you hate, right? Mm-hmm. And what good is it going to do? It's going to lead to guilt in a different way. Exactly. Because we're going to be sitting there being miserable eating it. Or it's going to lead to a Big Mac because you tried the kale salad. It was gross. So then you went for what you really wanted. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So So again, not sustainable. Yeah. Not sustainable, right? So like, ask me why. I'm sure you can hear the toddler in the back. That's okay. (laughs) to be involved. Um, So like, it's all about asking why you're doing something like, is it serving you? Is there a better way that you could do it? But also giving yourself permission to try things out. Because um, I say this with a lot of people, and especially I find it more relevant once more so for women, like once we hit our thirties, like our early thirties, especially after you've had kids, your body is always rapidly changing. So how you eat now and what your body needs right now is a little different than what you need at 25, at 20 Mm -hmm. and 15. And it's going to be a little different when you're 35, 40, 45, as your body changes. So reflecting in and going, is this still serving me? Um, Is there a little adjustment I need to make and kind of giving yourself permission to try new things as well both from the satisfaction side, but also from, you know, is there a different way that I could approach this that just works better for me and my family? And that permission side of things really helps because it's just like saying, like, you know, I'm allowed to wear this outfit if I want, or like I can wear like, you know, this thing that like society says only suits this type of person or what have you. Um, But I think, yeah, that reflection of like, why am I doing this? And I often bring in like the hunger scale. So like, uh, it's basically just kind of a check-in and it's saying on a scale of zero to 10, how hungry am I when I'm sitting down to a meal and how full am I when I get up? So five would be considered neutral. 10 would be, you know, 
you need, you're going to throw up if somebody even mentions food and zero would be like, I haven't eaten in months. Like, you know, I'm ravenous. I'm Betty White. That's Snickers commercial. And the goal is usually like to actually be sitting down to eat at a three, which is like hungry. I need to eat in the next 30 minutes, or I'm going to move into ravenous and finish when you're about a seven, which is like, you're satisfied. You could have two or three more bites, but it's going to tip you into that uncomfortable stage. Right. But you could also leave those bites, get up and go do your thing for a while and be absolutely fine. And most people, what happens is they don't actually start thinking about what they're going to eat until they're already a three moving into a two. So they're already like, I need to eat now. Right. Yeah. Before they even have anything prepped. They're not near food, that sort of thing. So then they're too hungry. They eat quicker than they would have. They eat more. They move into like an eight. Or so then you're in an uncomfortable stage and then you feel guilty because you're, why did I do that? Why? Like, why didn't I have right. this plan? Or why do you do that? Right. And you lean into that guilt and it's that cycle again that starts. Right. Whereas when we can, we can reconnect with what our body's telling us, like what eating patterns were for us, how our body responds to different meals. So many of us have followed those arbitrary diet rules for so long that we don't know what signals our body is trying to tell us. It's given up because we've ignored it for so long. So even just if you do nothing, like other than just kind of check in and say, what is my body telling me before I eat midway through my meal and at the end and just start listening to like all those signals that are coming through it makes a massive difference. And again, mm-hmm. that's part of like intuitive eating and mindful eating. It comes in, it's one of those principles is checking in. And it's been a game changer for so many of my clients who are eating great, you know, or like over, like mm-hmm. they're eating well-balanced meals, but they're going, there's still something going on. Right. And they start looking at this hunger scale because they've been following, like, I have to eat at X hour, X time, X many hours, like in between. And they're not following their hunger. And once right. they start doing that, they're like, oh, my energy, my sleep, everything starts to excel and to fall right. into place. Right. Because right. we eat, yeah. you know, breakfast and then 12, we eat lunch. And then by five o'clock, we have to eat supper, but not necessarily. Who told us that? Exactly. Right. Right. Who told us it's the way like the nine to five workshops. Right. They're right. the ones telling us, you need to eat at this time because this is when we're giving you time. Right. Versus what does our body actually need? Right. Mm-hmm. So in saying that, so we're talking about those balanced meals, but then it's about actually having to make them. It surrounds us. Like we have to figure out breakfast. We got to figure out lunch. We got to figure it's, it's a continuous thing. So how do we change the narrative for a lot of people? A lot, I know, I know lots of people that enjoy cooking. They enjoy being in the kitchen. It's fun for them. It's relaxing for me. I don't know if Sarah feels the same way. The stress of knowing like what to make is half the battle. It's not necessarily that we don't enjoy making it, trying to figure out like what the heck to make. So how, what are some tips? Like, is there a way to have fun in the kitchen to look forward to going in the kitchen? This is again, another, like one of those unwritten rules, right? We all feel like we need to be cooking from scratch, um, you know, making everything fresh. We need to be cooking a fresh meal every single day. And really that's not realistic, especially if you have a grown family, if you are working, if you're trying to manage all of these different kids activities, things like that, mm-hmm. it's just not realistic. Like this isn't back in the forties where like women were home and you yes. had 12 kids, but exactly. like you literally had to be cooking all day long. Cause there was no convenience meals. Like a lot of people still didn't even have refrigerators and things like that. So some of the things I kind of, talk about with clients is looking for those healthier convenience items, but also planning for leftovers or planning in those opportunities where, you know, um, maybe you don't have to cook meal. Like, do you have 
one portion left over from Monday's supper and you have another from Tuesday's supper. And, uh, you know, maybe mm-hmm. you had lunch out and you have half a salad left or something. Just pull together those little bits and have a leftovers night. So you're not right. cooking a, a whole other meal. And not everybody's eating the same thing. But you can put it out and you might have a tablespoon of this and a tablespoon of that. And you still get a balanced meal. However, you didn't have to do any of the work and cleaned up your fridge at the same time. So I often encourage people like look for those healthier communities meals like rotisserie chickens, you know, bagged salads, the pre-cut vegetables and fruit trays. Um, You know, a lot of places are starting to get more of these options in there. So you can even get... um, things that are still healthier, but maybe a little quicker to cook. So you can get pastas that even like are par cooked. Um, and you just basically pop them in hot water to reconstitute them and they're ready to go. Um, looking for like proteins that don't take as long or batch cooking them. So if you are doing, um, let's say like a chicken stir fry, cook the extra chicken at the same time, but carry it over into a different meal or pop it in the freezer. Things like that do take a little prepping and thinking ahead. So it is something that you're not going to master in one week, but it is something that I say, break down and look at like one thing at a time. So if you're Mm -hmm. a visual person, draw out a week's worth of meals. So if you eat three times a day and you eat two snacks, draw out all those blocks. So just for easy math, because I know this one is three meals and one snack per day is 28 eating opportunities. Immediately sit down, cross out any day that you don't want to cook, um, any meals that are grab and go. So like cross out if Friday night is your dinner at the in-laws, cross off the list. If you get takeout on Sunday nights, cross that off the list. So start crossing out those things where you don't actually have to do any of the work. Um, mm-hmm. Then start filling in the easy meal. So most people eat the same breakfast. So write all that in. So fill that spot in first and then look at whatever the next easier opportunity is. So sometimes it's snacks. Like people tend to eat the same snacks every day too, mm-hmm. or it's easier to plan, right? So you buy one or yeah. two snack options. You have them for the week, fill that in. Then you're usually left with suppers and lunches. So for most people, they're usually willing to eat leftovers. So right. plan in at least two days a week where you're eating leftovers for lunch, because that automatically is not much work because when you're packing up that supper the night before, you just portion it out. It's ready to go. It's literally grab and go that day right so now you're down to about five suppers a week where you actually have to do some planning and then you can break that down and go okay well if we're having tacos how can I pull that into other meals so it's still minimal work so I often say okay if you're making tacos early in the earlier in the week and just for example we'll say um ground beef tacos so if you're a vegetarian it's lentil tacos make enough so that then you have extra filling left over Tuesday night is going to be taco pizza. So you're going to put that on top of like, it's either, yeah, it's either a pizza crust you make, or you can get the uh, frozen dough in the grocery store, usually in the bakery section. You can get the pre-made one that you just top, or you can throw it on a tortilla or whatever. Um, But you put that same filling, drain off the extra liquid, put it on top of that pizza dough, add some cheese. You can buy the shredded stuff if you have to, and you bake it. And then you have a meal done in 15 minutes. Amazing. Right. And then you can even take that taco filling, put it on rice, right? Mm. Add some sour cream, add some like shredded lettuce, have a salad on the side, what have you. And you have a third meal, right? But you don't feel like you're eating the same thing, meal after meal after meal, right? Because you're changing at least one component of that meal. So then you have at least two meals that week that are done, right? Mm -hmm. And only one was really actively doing any work. So when you can kind of find those opportunities to carry things over, 
well, now you're down to that meal plan. You really only had to cook anything like three days a week. So you went from feeling like, oh my God, I have to cook 28 times this week, or I have to actively work on something 28 times a week down to, oh, well, like, (laughs) you know, I eat the same breakfast most days of the week, or I rotate through one or two that are always the same. So that's your giving. You don't need to think about that. Your lunches, you're like, okay, well, there's leftover. So I know when I make this supper, I need to make extra. So that's done, right? So those days are a little less pressure and you're carrying it over. So it just makes it easier. So then when you look at it, you're going, oh, okay. This is my day off. It's literally that mindless meal. And something else Mm -hmm. I add to it too is I limit people. I say no more than one or two new recipes a week because those are the ones that take more of a mental load. And don't put them on a weekday. Like pick whatever your easiest day of the week is. So for some people, it's the weekend. For some people, they have Mondays off. Put that then because chances are that's where you're going to run into you forgot to pick something up or it went bad or whatever. Yeah. So no more than one or two a week. Um, if cooking's not your thing, because otherwise it gets overwhelming. Right. I think that that's a, that's such great tips. I'm excited to actually do that. <laughs> now I'm a visual learner, so I appreciate that reference too. But yeah. um, I, I'm laughing because I think I, I, maybe it's a little bit of the perfectionist in me or I have a completion <laughs> complex, but that's one of the things that drives me the most nuts is I get like defeated when I'm about to cook something or I look at the ingredient list and I'm like, oh, but I don't have that spice or I don't have that yes. certain ingredient. Yes. And then I think, well, now I can't make it. And I feel so, but I'm there's always, always there's, and in the exactly. spirit of talking about grocery shopping and eating healthy and balanced and et cetera, we know, or, or maybe it's a myth and you can bust it, but we know, <laughs> or we think that eating healthy tends to be expensive and feeding a large family. I'm Pat and I, our joke now is like, oh my gosh, these three boys eat so much. already. <gasps> What's it going to look like as teenagers? Like they're going to yeah. eat so to house yeah. at home. So yeah. being able to eat healthy but eating on a budget is important for most families, I assume. Yeah. Is eating healthy always more expensive? Is there a way to eat healthy with your budget in mind? Because, you know, that organic yeah. aisle, those price tags always seem to be higher than the price tags around the outside of the grocery store or the inside aisles of the grocery store. So how do we eat healthy on a budget? Is there any tips for that? Definitely. And I feel like this is something that's even more relevant because in the past year, so we've really seen prices get higher regardless um, for so many different reasons. Some of my favorite tips for this one, because obviously like I practice what I preach when it comes to this, I still have to keep budget in mind when I'm doing my own grocery shopping is that for the most part, um, when it comes to like organic people often ask that, and that is a personal choice, like nutritionally, they do measure it the same. However, then when you get into, you know, um, ecological reasons and, you know, um, the environmental impact and that sort of thing, like that's a choice. However, not everything has to be organic or is available in all areas. Uh, sometimes local is an option for that too. So if you have like smaller people, like farms and things like that, that you can go to sometimes sourcing things out that way because it saves on the transport. Um, so you might have to kind of search around a little bit for some things, but it might bring the cost down a bit. Not always, but sometimes. Yeah. The good food bus is a good resource in Mary. Yes. Yeah. 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 They're excellent and they're open to everybody. So you can go regardless of, you know, economic status or anything like that. Um, so keep an, an eye on them on Facebook. They're usually really good for update on social media. Um, so some of the other tips is you can use frozen. So frozen is amazing, especially on the East Coast here, right? Like we have a super short growing season 
a lot of things have to be trucked in from away. And so they may not be the freshest or they'll be more expensive because they're out of season. So things like frozen berries, frozen vegetables, you're usually cheaper. They do go on sale. You can usually get like PC points and stuff for them, like whatever you collect in like rewards points, which can help. Um, so they are just as nutritious. So incorporating them wherever possible. So they um, are nutritious. That is a question yeah. I often think about. It, so that yeah. is... Uh, just as healthy like eating the frozen vegetables and fruit you're not cutting down on nutrition by choosing that option no for the most part they are going to be equivalent um the only real things would be like uh something like vitamin c which is heat sensitive so um when they're frozen that's locked in so they might lose a tiny tiny little bit simply from the process and the cooking method it depends on often more so how you're going to cook those foods versus like what form you purchase them in but if you bought it they were trucked across like two countries they came in they sat in the shop for two weeks a lot of those nutrients have degraded to um a little bit as well so the the frozen is likely going to be the more nutritious for that um and the only other difference would be something like um canned apples and pears where the skin's removed like the fiber will be different because that's where the fiber is in those fruits compared to fresh however if that's your option you're still going to get some vitamin c and some of those other micronutrients as well and it's better to eat them than to not eat them and get nothing right so like it's always again going into your individual circumstances but often um when it comes to that so your fresh produce is usually expensive so looking for like the more local sources and things like that too, and in season, but usually it's your meats and your dairy products. So with that dairy, there's not a whole lot of like cheaper options. So your dairy alternatives are usually even more expensive right. um, and sometimes not as high in certain nutrients that we're looking for from those foods. So it takes a little bit more balancing, but we often can do something about our meat choices. So looking for what's on sale really helps. But I often recommend looking at things like beans and lentils and chickpeas and the um, vegetarian type proteins, because those can be added alongside your meat. So you're having half the portion of that meat protein, that animal protein, but you're still getting that filling meal by adding in some lentils, for example. And you don't typically notice the difference. So like I have, if anybody wants, I have a really good recipe for lentil tacos, which you would not know there is no meat in them. And I also have like a shepherd's pie that's half beef, half lentils. And I've served it to people that I work with. Yeah. They have no idea that there's no, like there's less or no meat in them um, because there's all these other flavors and things like that that are alongside them. So those are a couple tips. And again, like I offer like services where you can literally bring in your grocery list and I'll shop with you and look for this and look for the cheaper options and look for, okay, like you're buying this, it's $4, but look, here's this brand that's like nutritionally the same and like everything and it's a dollar cheaper. So we can actually go through the aisles virtually. It does. It really does. Yeah. And And I was just going to mention that piece is so important, Mm -hmm. right? Like, yeah, of course we need to relearn and retrain and know the options available. And and sometimes we need to open and figuring out how to learn those options. Sorry, Jess, what were you just going to say? No, I was just going to say that, you know, it's, it was really mind opening when you said uh, like all our bodies have different needs. We have different body shapes. We have different, like of course we all need different ways of eating or we might. So that yeah. just really like, obviously that makes so much sense, but until you hear someone say it, it's like, you know, um, yeah. so what services do, can you offer to, to, to people like that are looking to get some more information or to understand their bodies more, to understand what their body needs to thrive and feel healthy. What, um, yeah. what services can you provide? 
Oh, I have a long list. There's a lot of things I do <laughs> and I love all of them equally. So everything from group services to individual, um, some of the ones that people are probably more familiar with for me are like my online courses right now. Hopefully eventually I'll be back to some in-person right now. Yeah. They're all virtual. So I do everything from like feeding toddlers, introducing solids, prenatal, nutrition, postpartum, breastfeeding, PCOS, uh, fertility, nutrition, like all these things, also diabetes and heart health and stuff. So if you're not a parent or in that realm of your life yet, then there's all sorts of like other topics as well. Um, I do one-on-one services and they're broken down two ways. So there's something like I just referred to with the shopping trip where you can literally bring in your list and essentially just shop with you. Right. So it's not like you don't come in and you're like, I have 17 different conditions. Like what exactly Mm -hmm. do I eat? It's more so you come in and I just shop with you. So you get, it's kind of that mid ground between the general classes and the really in-depth one-to-ones. So it's really nice, like starting point. And then I do my one-on-one. So like you come in, we do a whole huge health assessment. We go through everything from what you eat, what you like, your cultural background. We go through sleep and stress and like all that stuff, like everything possible that ties into your, your health. Um, and then we build a plan. So for some people, yeah, like some people it's a one-off appointment. That's all they need. Like maybe they just want some meal planning tips. So they just need that one appointment. And I do private sessions as well. So if a group of friends want to come in and kind of say like, we're having a dinner, a virtual dinner party can come in and talk about X topic. I do that too. So you don't have to join in with a group of, group of strangers. Lots of, lots of stuff. Mentioned PCOS and we did have a question. Um, asking specifically about diet do's and don'ts for someone with PCOS. I do find that uh, there are a lot of people out there who are like, oh, you have PCOS, you need to cut out this group, this group, this group, this group of food. And you're left feeling, oh my gosh, what do I eat? So just to kind of like overview, unless you have other coexisting conditions, things like that, you don't need to cut out anything immediately. The big concerns for PCOS are blood sugar balance. So typically you are looking for balancing um, your diet in terms of more food, or sorry, more, more food, uh, more fiber, more fruits and vegetables, more protein uh, in balance with your carbohydrate intake. Um, you are looking for uh, usually heart health aspects. So you're looking again for more fiber, um, more fruits and vegetables, more protein to balance your blood pressure and your cholesterol. And then it kind of gets more individualized from there. We had someone asked too, like what vitamins or supplements now that we are in our thirties and you mentioned like our mm-hmm. bodies are different than we were in our twenties and what we need is different. And as we get older and as we age, what we need is different. So is there yeah. any vitamins or supplements that, you know, 30 something year old women should be taking? In general, I know it's probably pretty individualized, but is there things that we should be considerate of at this time in our lives? Oh, a hundred percent. And it's not a supplement. However, I will tell you that if you are not meeting your fiber goals right now, get on that. So however you meet that, whether it's through fruit and vegetables, uh, whole grains, chia seed, flaxseed, whatever it is, you know, start taking, start getting your fiber needs because that is going to majorly pay off in just what every um, prevention of different health conditions, management, uh, hunger levels, all that stuff. So the average woman needs at least 25 grams of fiber per day. Men are 38. So they do need more. However, this is a minimum. So you can go over that. And the average Canadian gets between 11 and 13 grams of fiber per day. Wow. Why is that? Because we're not eating enough fruit and vegetables and whole grains. Oh, wow. Right. Right. So it's not even that far out of reach and a few tweaks that are easily 
met by however we're choosing to eat can make that huge difference. And that means we're getting more of those sweets. We're automatically going to be getting more of those other vitamins and minerals that we need too by incorporating more of those foods versus taking like a fiber supplement. Okay. Um, so that is usually where I kind of start off is food first. That way you're going to get all sorts of benefits from that. But in terms of actual supplements, um, this is where I am hardcore into vitamin D for everybody because with, uh, especially once in your thirties and we're trying to manage that sunshine, like, right. We're often wearing sunscreen, which blocks that, um, absorption and that ability to create that vitamin D from the sun and use that. Right. Because we want to be all about skincare at our age, especially uh, reducing that risk of skin cancer. So we're wearing sleeves and we're in sunscreen. So we're not actually making that vitamin D from the sun that we think we're getting. And we live on the East Coast. Like how often is there truly a lot of sun? So um, a vitamin D supplement daily year round is great. And if you are giving it to your kids, right? So especially if you're breastfeeding, you're supposed to be giving it to your kids every day, take some yourself. So, you know, at least 600 international units per day, um, around a thousand is good, but don't go above that per day. Um, and for women, for kids, for everybody, for everybody, for for kids, it is less for kids. Um, it is 400 international units. Yeah. Um, but usually a thousand international units is totally safe for everybody. The upper limit is quite a bit higher, but if you're taking the same, it's much easier to measure out for most people. So you're not going to do any harm just by going up to that thousand by accident. So if you get the baby drops, you can take those. Um, so one drop for your kid, they're usually 400 international units and then two drops for you. You're covered. Um, good tip. I didn't know that. Yeah. So that's an easy one. And then the other one that is pretty consistent across the board, but I always, I will tell you, this is my favorite line lately is make friends with the pharmacist before you start taking Mm. anything. Um, but omega threes. So if you are not eating fish, fatty fish, like salmon or trout, sardines, uh, Arctic char, uh, herring, mackerel, at least twice a week, then you likely need an omega-3 supplement because the plant sources of omega-3, like chia seed, flaxseed, canola, and olive oils, they are not converted in our body efficiently. So we only absorb about one to 9% of the omega-3s in them. So it's very difficult for us to get the type of omega-3s that we really need that are beneficial for heart health, for mood, for all sorts of other conditions. An omega-3 supplement is usually beneficial for everybody. However, because um, one of the interactions is blood clotting, like it can lead to, um, you know, more viscous blood. So if you have any issue with bleeding, you do, or like overactive um, periods, things like that, like really heavy menstrual cycles, then you do just want to make sure that it's not going to interact with any medications you're on. Or if you're looking for a surgery in the future, like you do need to stop it before then. So I do like always suggest checking with your doctor, checking with your pharmacist before taking any supplements of any kind, herbal or not. Um, but omega-3s is usually something that most people do end up needing when I end up seeing them. And you can get liquid ones. Um, you can get tablets. Uh, looking for one that has DHA and EPA. And if anybody's interested, like there is, is a general recommendation, which is usually 300 milligrams of the DHA per day. However, if you have health con- heart conditions or anything like that, then there is a slightly different number. So you're going to just reach out and I can kind of send you an info sheet on that. But um, the, I will say the liquid ones, they often come in flavored versions. So you can just pour them into your smoothie, mix them into yogurt, things like that. So much easier to take. No fishy burps. (laughs) So is 
So omega-369, is that the same thing? I take an omega, it's like two a day or something or three a day or? That one's different. So six and nine is typically much easier found in food and easily converted in our body. Uh, Whereas the omega-3 is the one that we need more of because we want it in balance with the six and the nine. So typically we don't get enough of the omega-3. We get plenty of the six and nine because it is more easily converted from the plant sources. So when we take a three, six, nine, we're just getting more of what we're already getting. Whereas what we really need is the omega-3 in ratio with the others. So then we still end up with that imbalance typically. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So you're more, more, um, you get more benefit from like a, just a single omega-3. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Good to and- know. Well, this has been lovely. It has, has been, been so lovely. informative. Yes. I've learned so much. Yes. Wow. It's so much fun. I could Good. like, this is why this is my dream job is because I can literally talk about food and nutrition all day long. And I just love it so, so much. So it's so interesting. Thank you. We really appreciate it. <laughs> so you do have a few treats for our uh, listeners. So treats in the form of a couple giveaways. So yeah. um, maybe just share what they are in Marion and we will, um, we will share the details on our morning meeting, uh, Instagram, social media. So you can head on over there after the episode to find out how you can enter. But, um, if you want to go ahead and share those and Marion. Perfect. So one of the ones that I have that is open to everybody is I do have a handout that has, um, nice, you know, make it easy. We talked all about convenience today is 10 healthy grab and go breakfast ideas. So it's a little two page document that has all different Mommy. options. They're Mommy. easy to convert or find Mommy. something that meets your needs. Um, so anybody who, uh, is interested in that, we have that and you're going to tell them how to access it. And the other one is I'm going to give away a free 30 minute shop with me session. So like I mentioned earlier, this is something where we can do this. If you're local, we can do this in person following all the guidelines, or we can do it virtually using your favorite grocery shopping, uh, online service. And we can go through basically bring your list. We'll talk all about those healthy swaps. We'll talk about how to incorporate like, you know, those higher fiber foods, uh, budget-friendly tips, all these things we talked about today. And Jess, you have all the details on how people can uh, yes. access those. Incredible. Can we enter? Are we? Ba- are we yeah. <laughs> I think I can give you some bonus specials. Yeah. Too, yeah. for, like, letting you take part. Listen, so, yeah. girl, I'm excited for those grab and go breakfast ideas because I'm even thinking there's three or four months left to my maternity leave. And I'm just, September's looming over me with how I'm going to get myself, my husband, well, my husband gets himself out the door, but how we're going to get ourselves and our three boys out the door, fed, yeah. dressed to everyone's right? proper locations on time. It's going to be a battle. So these easy yeah. grab and go breakfasts will be a lifesaver for me. So I cannot get, and I'm back to, to work this week. <laughs> yeah. So I you know you're, so I need some grab and goes. First thing that comes to your mind, don't overthink it. Um, the first one we'll go with is what is some advice you have for your future self? Don't sweat the small stuff. Like right. honestly, Love just it. roll with it. Yeah. Right. Love I am it. such an anxious person. So that is a huge one for me. Love that. How do you define success? Oh, that's a good one. So I would say when you wake up in the morning, like looking forward to your day and you feel good mm. about like a second you wake up, you just go, oh, okay. I feel good. And then you go to bed with the same feeling, right? You just, okay, that. that was a good day. Like you just feel good. Not that sense of dread or anxiety, things like that. Yeah. So I think that because success looks different for everybody. So that's, right. that's my version. Anyway, yeah, I yes. And I like you too. So <laughs> <laughs> what do you wish you knew then that, you know, now Ben can be years ago. It can be four minutes ago. So whatever. Ooh, 
whatever that's then means good. to you. What do you wish you knew then that you know now? Uh, that's a good one. I think like things will work themselves out, right? Like, again, like I said, I, I'm an anxious person. Like I have anxiety, like for years since I was a child. And I always worried, but like, you know what, things work out. Um, you put the work in and it's okay to ask for help and it will come together. Right. And again, success looks different for everybody. So you don't have to meet society's expectations, do your own thing and what makes you happy. Yeah. I love that. It's important. Um, how do you manage a work-life balance? (laughs) <laughs> constant work and progress yeah. <laughs> so like like I have the toddler on my lap right now so you know yeah. it's in my in my opinion like uh we just went through some training at work and she actually uh, the psychologist who spoke to us actually encouraged us to flip that and call it life work balance because oh, life should come it. first mm-hmm. I love yeah. that oh, yeah yes. yeah. Yes. yeah so life work, work balance. balance yes yeah, yeah. So that's the important I think that's, language, right? Like yes. prioritize that. I know. Yes. So that was the favorite thing. So I think like working on that life work balance. Yes. That is, what is a lesson you've learned yes. over the last year living in a pandemic? <laughs> oh, there's been so many. Okay, like um, I really have learned how important it is to just spend time with my kids. Like there's only little for so long. Mm. And so like just appreciating having them home with me and being able to have those extra waking moments with them. Uh, whereas I might not have gotten gotten that when we are, you know, in that whole like nine to five grind. Right, type right, right. Yeah. Great one. And just finish the sentence. Okay. Something you wonder. So I wonder. Just I wonder how my kids' life will turn out. Like that's always my constant wonder. Like I wonder who they're gonna be when they grow up. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing to think about. I know. So I think that occupies a lot of my thoughts. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's always one that's in my mind. (laughs) Great one. What would you rather, tea or coffee? Ooh, coffee in the morning, tea the rest of the day. Okay. Would you rather white wine or red wine? I'm not a big wine drinker. Uh, so I have to say white that doesn't taste like wine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> or kombucha. Can I go to kombucha? Uh, <laughs> funny. And I would you rather questions. Um, would you rather a housekeeper or private oh, chef? Yeah. So live in Ooh. housekeeper, live in private chef. Hard on the housekeeper because my husband will tell you I cook well. I like cooking. I'm a terrible housekeeper. Yeah. So. Okay. <laughs> Jess, answer that one too. Which one would you rather, housekeeper or private chef? I want a private chef. I want a 1, private thousand chef. Percent. Oh. Not that I'm a good cleaner because I'm not. God bless my husband. But yeah, I think if someone would yeah. cook all my meals, I can and, clean. Yeah. yeah. Take everything yeah. in Marion just taught us and provide yeah. us with those meals every day. Yeah. I would love that. We'll just move in together, one, right? So. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Our next one in Marion is, would you rather go camping in a tent or glamping in a cottage? Ooh, glamping because I am terrified of bugs. Yeah. So. Me too. <laughs> be on my you and Jessica the first spider I see. Yeah, yeah. First spider, I'm gone. I'm glamping <laughs> to win, Marion. What are yeah. you doing, Sarah? You know what? This is a tough one for me. Obviously, I would love to glamp in a cottage. And I think there's a lot of amenities, especially with kids that it makes it yeah. a little easier in the college, yeah. but I do love, um, having a few nights like in a tent too, or we camped once yeah. in a, in a little cabin, we slept in a little cabin, but it had no electricity or anything. So that yeah. was kind of a nice in between, like we were yes. sheltered, but we didn't have like the amenities yeah. of a cottage. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, oh, that's hard. I like both. I think I'll pick the cottage as well though, given this yeah. current time. Keep yeah. it safe. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> Play it safe. Uh, yeah. This I was know. such a pleasure to have you. So thank you so much for sharing your knowledge no, um, around the table for this morning's meeting. It was such a pleasure to chat with you and to learn more from you. And I'm excited oh. to learn even more from you. I think this is such an important topic and area that serves all of us, right? So is there any final tips that you have or any any words of advice or words of wisdom that you hope people know with their nutrition journey? That's a good one. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I have to say, like, I kind of just to summarize everything we talked about, like, you are an individual, Mm -hmm. and you need to find what works for you. And it's always an ongoing journey. So you know, just do your thing, try, try, try it, discard what doesn't work, keep what does and keep going with, you know, your lovely self. So yeah, and reflect <laughs> on your motivators. I think that's yeah. what I'm bringing from you. Like what's motivating yeah. you? Everything's individual. You have to do it for you, but why yeah. are you doing it for you? Is it to maintain right. exactly. a healthy lifestyle and you're enjoying it? Or are you like grinding yourself to follow a certain script mm-hmm. to fit in yeah. a certain way? So exactly that, was, that I find that really helpful. That was great. Yeah. Do what makes you happy. Right. So yeah. love it. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Thanks awesome. so well, much, Marion. It was lovely hanging out with you. So nice to see your face. Yes. Thank you for your time. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for joining us at the table for this meeting. We are so glad you joined us like always. If this episode was interesting, if you enjoyed it, please subscribe to our podcast. Throw us a review. Um, give us a like. Visit us on social media. You can find us on Instagram at The Morning Meeting. And you can send us an email to themorningmeetingpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for sitting around our table today. We are so glad you were here with us and we hope to see you again soon.